Welcome to This Is Social Work. I'm Matthew, Social Work England's Regional Engagement Lead for the Northwest of England. In this series, we're focusing on the professional standards, the six standards that social workers must know, understand, and be able to do as part of their role. The professional standards are specialists to the social work profession and apply to social workers in all roles and settings across England. In this episode, we're focusing on standard four, maintain my continuing professional development. We're joined by social workers Lisa and Louise, who share their experiences of engaging with CPD and how they've involved peers and people with lived experience to reflect and inform their practice. We discuss what CPD means, the importance of feedback and the impact that CPD has had on the quality of their practice as social workers. We hope you enjoy the conversation. So I'm really pleased to welcome our guests today. I'm going to hand over to, to both of them to introduce themselves. So uh, Lisa, could you just spend a, bit, a little bit of time introducing yourself and your role and your background and things like that? Yes, hi. Hi, Matthew. Thanks. My name's Lisa Fjallberg. I'm the practice lead for adult social care in Stockport. I've been in this post since February this year, so it's still quite early days, really. Uh, and this is my first non-operational post. I qualified um, in 2000. So almost 21 years ago, you feel very old. <laughs> uh, my first, uh, my first um, qualified post was in the London Borough of Newham. And then I moved up north to Manchester, uh, Rochdale and now in Stockport. So, uh, yeah, so I'm an AMP as well for um, 10 years, just over 10 years and a best interest assessor as well. Um, and a practice educator, but I haven't acted in that role um, for a little while now. Yeah, so that's a little bit about me, really. Thanks, Lisa. Really appreciate that. Uh, Louise, could you do the same? Just a bit of an introduction and where you've come from. Yes, so my name's Louise Ajalakai. I'm a social worker from the London Borough of Bexley. and I work within children's social care. Prior to me working as a social worker, I have worked as a support worker for a residential setting which supports um, homeless families. Prior to that, I also worked within a children's activity camp called Camp Vermont, and I enjoyed doing lots of activities with the children. I also was a nursery practitioner for a couple of months as well. I've also done volunteering work for people that suffer from brain injury. Thanks, Louise. I'll maybe just give a bit of an introduction as to my background. So my background's in adult services, um, primarily in learning disability. So my role prior to coming to Social Work England was uh, within a local authority. So... We're really pleased to have some guests today, really pleased to have guests from, from frontline practice. I think it's really important that we have these these conversations with, with people who can bring in different experiences. So it's good to have a good mix of experience and uh, coming from different backgrounds as well. So um, today's podcast is focused on, on standard four. Standard four is um, CPD, so continuing professional development. For us at Social Work England, we've put a real emphasis on CPD. Um, we've put a lot of focus on, on CPD. CPD isn't new for social workers. It's been a feature of social work really ever since it's been a regulated profession formally. But I think social workers continually learning and continually developing themselves has been a, a, a requirement of social work practice for much longer than, than it just being a regulated profession. For us, it, it really um, supports us to achieve our overall aims as an organisation, so feeds into the organisation around public protection. Uh, so that is the primary focus of Social Work England as a regulator. 
but we also want to improve standards in social work and improve public confidence in social work as well as well so the direction that we've taken in relation to cpd and the requirements that are placed on social workers in relation to their cpd really supports us as an organization to achieve all those things that we're set out to do as i said it's not new for social work um, it has been a requirement thinking back to when social work was regulated with the GSCC and then in, into HCPC, there has been a CPD element to those, to those registrations. Um, for us, we describe CPD as, as reflection and the learning activities that social workers undertake throughout their career um, to maintain and improve their practice in whatever role they've got. Uh, so that could be adults in children's, that could be in um, private, voluntary and independent sector. Um, social workers have a breadth of roles um, and there's a CPD requirement for all those social workers. So we, uh, when we took over the regulation of social workers on the 2nd of December 2019, we changed the requirement in relation to CPD. So there was, uh, there's all, there was always been a requirement for social workers to record the CPD, but we at Social Work England required social workers to record their CPD in a standardised way all in their online accounts. That was a big change. That was a big switch for social workers. We've now gone through that first renewal cycle. So all social workers have done that um, and are now actively engaging with their online account and using it to upload CPD. We also re reviewed 2.5% of, of those accounts and we can talk about some of that a little bit later. What we have been really keen in our messaging around CPD, and, and this has formed a big part of my role as an engagement lead over the last two years nearly, yeah, two years uh, now, is really engaging with social workers around what that requirement means. And what we've been really keen to get across is that CPD isn't a specified number of days, it isn't a specified number of hours, and the type of CPD we really want social workers to have the flexibility with. Um, and the creativity to, to understand what CPD means to them and what they can get the most out of. So we haven't specified that. Um, and we know that CPD can mean training courses. So that's sort of more conventional type of training. But also there's lots of other things that social workers um, get really good value out of in terms of their development. And for us, there's a real focus on the impact that whatever that activity is, what impact is that having on social workers' practice? I'm going to come to Lisa just to try and get your view, Lisa, really on from your own perspective, I suppose, what CPD is to you and what it means now that Social Work England's the regulator and the requirements have maybe changed a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I've been, as I've said, a social worker for a long time now. So I've seen the, the changes throughout the years, really. And I think for me, CPD has been about, you know, it, it's as much as it's learning about ourselves and about situations for me it's about understanding some of that and as you say reflecting on that and what you know what difference that will make to your practice going forward in terms of the um the the hours or the days I think that can be you know I think initially it was a little bit probably a bit confusing really a little bit you know you wonder if you if you're capturing the right stuff or you know you're doing enough of it um and I think Certainly in comparison to my AMP role, where I am required to do a certain amount of hours per year, it's 18 hours per year. You know, so that does feel very free in comparison, really. And I think that's a good thing. It allows you to, um, to be quite creative with that, really, I think. And I think over the last year, particularly, you know, just 
you know just your first year uh, um i think that creativity is really if you if you found it and if, if you've been allowed you know allowed yourself to, to look at it in that way really i think it's it's kind of come from nowhere there's there's a multitude i think of um, of, of cpd opportunities out there and I, th- and I think the, la- the last year is a perfect example isn't it where, where perhaps training courses weren't weren't available whether particularly in, in that classroom based type training course so i think that shift to a much more flexible way of thinking creative way of thinking was kind of forced a little bit by the pandemic and i think we really really wanted to to encourage that and encourage that flexibility and creativity i suppose yeah no absolutely i agree with you and i think people have you know found different um platforms so whether that's you know social media i think plays quite a big role for me anyway particularly twitter i think as my kind of work related stuff i think it's it's great for the kind of bite-sized um pieces of information that you can go and read and, and listen to or, or watch and then and then reflect on and, and so in some respects i think it would be it's quite easy to find you know one piece of cpd that you can then reflect on it's just about i think people embracing those opportunities when they come around really and i think some some of it for us is around people understanding understanding that they've got that flexibility and that, that, that they've got that creativity i think that has been key in in the messages that we've been trying to get out over the last particularly in that first renewal cycle that that we want social workers to think in that way and and to be able to decide for themselves really what what works for them and what platform that might come from or what form that comes in is is entirely up to yourselves Thank you. Louise, could you come in at that point and just sort of from your, your perspective around what CPD means to you and, and um, how that has felt for you in the last sort of, particularly in that last renewal cycle? Yeah, so similar to what Lisa said, really, um, CPD means just reflecting upon my professional development, looking at things within my practice that I've done well, things that I haven't done so well and ways in which I can make changes to become a better practitioner. I think coming from a more, you know, a children's social care perspective and you know, looking at when I do write my assessments or when I do do home visits, exploring, you know, ways in which I've spoken, you know, to a particular client and looking at ways in which I can maybe alter my tone of voice or a particular piece of knowledge that I drew upon. It's just really about making myself a better practitioner for the people that I work with. And I think during the whole pandemic, I think everyone has it's felt a bit of like you know an uneasiness in terms of their practice and how can we continue to develop as practitioners but I would say having online learning has really helped to still be able to build my knowledge base initially it was quite nerve-wracking being online and having breakout rooms on Microsoft Teams but I think I've been able to adjust to it quite well and again it's quite convenient you're in your home you're learning you don't have to get up in the morning and kind of go to a different building to have training so it definitely does have its perks but equally it has been quite challenging in not being in that kind of environment where you are with people in you're asking questions and in a normal environment where you know the the assessor is there talking to you so it has been it has been good but also been quite challenging too yeah and I think that that shift in online delivery of training and things like that I think was was obviously sped up by the pandemic wasn't it I think everything shifted online really really quickly and I think there has been that adjustment I miss being in a room with people and being able to have conversations face to face and and as you say being able to work with social workers on a sort of more more joint joint approach as as perhaps not being possible over the last over the last 12 months and I think 
that's taken a real shift. But that in itself, is, as I think a lot of social workers have reflected on that, haven't they? And, and that that has formed a big part of social worker CPD, just that self-reflection over the last 12, 18 months as to what, what has gone on. Lisa, has that felt the same for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've I've only been in this post since since February, so before that and, and throughout the pandemic, I was a, a team manager on a on an adults neighborhood team, so an area team. And yes, absolutely. The kind of the, the feeling from from when you first, you know, get told that you, you need to go and work from home and and that kind of throws up in, you know, it throws into the air all of the well, how do I do my job? How do I do my job when I'm not sat with my peers when I'm not sat with people and I can't go out and visit people you know kind of routinely uh, and and have the kind of face-to-face dialogue with with other professionals that you may work with uh, and I think that that's for some people it, that's been it's been I think it's been scary we've seen practice you know good practice we've seen not so good practice I think and I'm not just talking you know social work here I think across the board uh, I think fundamentally, though, people have done what they can, and I think people have been trying to do the best that they can given the situation. And, and I've done really good work overall, but I don't know that people necessarily have always found the time to reflect on that. I think sometimes, and that for me was one of the, the big challenges, really, that kind of that juggling act between providing social work input, if you like, and intervention with with adults, um, and and quite honestly just getting through the day getting through the week and 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 living in that way really going from from week to week and 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 doing the best that you can but I think for some people yeah absolutely I think that you know the CPD element of that has um I I think been an ask that's perhaps you know not not come as easily for some people if I'm honest either yeah, and and I think that's we we've seen that you're not the first person that said that, Lisa. And I think we've we've seen that in we uh, commissioned some research. So you go uh, to um, complete some research on our behalf and spoke specifically to social workers about CPD. Um, so there was four five hundred and four um, social workers spoken to, and that took a few different forms. There was two online focus groups. There was. Um, one-to-one interviews but also looking at some anonymized CPD records as well and part of some of that was um, 60% of those people said that not having enough time was a real barrier to CPD and I think we absolutely recognize that and um, particularly during the pandemic I think the crisis that social workers are having to manage, the change that social workers are having to manage and just that shift to working from home that we've talked about I think um, time has become it is is it has always been a factor for social workers time and workload is and, and will always be a factor but i think the last 12 months and as as, as you said lisa our first year of being a regular um yeah. that was that was a there was a lot lot going on wasn't there and there was a big shift absolutely absolutely you're right i think workload and time will always and have always been factors but i think this was something else wasn't it really this was something else and you know people's work life home life combined you know there was hard to find the line between the two sometimes you know and people were homeschooling and you know or you know I, I just think it was um very difficult and I think as a profession we've done uh, I think we've done remarkably well on the whole at you know upholding the rights of people where we've been able to do that and where we've known about that um in the way that we can really but yeah the guidance you know changes 
changed frequently. You know, it, it was one way and then maybe overnight, sometimes it felt it was another way. So, yeah, a kind of moving feet, really. Yeah, absolutely. Have you felt that, Louise, in your, and, and still in your frontline role? Have you felt that through the last 12 months? Yeah, I would say that in terms of working from home, I found that I work for longer hours, ironically. Um, so, you know, my screen time has been increased quite a lot. And, you know, it does affect in terms of time that you do have to dedicate to CPD if you are spending longer doing case notes or, you know, doing your video calls and stuff. It means that the time to do CPD is less and less than we spend doing screen time. So it has had its, you know, its difficulties. But I think what's helped to me is just having a day or an afternoon where I dedicate just to do my CPD. And I switch off my emails. I switch off my work phone. I think I'm going to stop and just reflect now because I think within social work, you can just kind of get lost in the the tons and tons of case, case notes and assessments you have to do so you know giving yourself that protected time where you can has been quite beneficial for me and, and I think that is really important and that there's a role for employers there and at least I'll come back to you because I know your role now is, is is around this around acknowledging that social workers do need that space do need that time and the benefits of it is is really important for both the organization but also for the individual social work as well yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and I think in this role that is one thing. This is a this is a new role, so there hasn't been anyone in it before. So it's been a lot about you know finding feet, finding you know ways to support people. But there is a balance, you know, as well. I think you know we we want to drive up, you know, the um, practice. We want to make sure that people are you know completing CBD that they have the time. You know, I, I'd like to look at you know other other mechanisms really whether that's social work forums whether that's you know peer support the, the teams already do peer support but you know maybe learning circles lunch and learn sessions all of that kind of stuff but you know as Louise has said already you know as a frontline practitioner I think in some respects that feels a little bit like a luxury um, and I think it's an essential luxury <laughs> personally I think you know we can't do a good job unless we're making sure that we are in, you know fit to practice but um, and that we have time and space to to reflect and think and 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 all too often you don't even have time to think you don't even have time to think between for one task to the next one so I think it's really important but I think it's definitely a balancing act between recognizing what the frontline pressures are and what people are going through there is a balance and I think we're, we're keen all the region engagement leads, leads are keen to work with employers around that and and to ensure that the social workers are supported to, to meet the requirements of the regulator but yeah understanding that context and I think um, all the region engagement leads uh, are social workers and come from different backgrounds in terms of social work but I think having that understanding around around what the demands are on on frontline social workers I think is really important in shaping that offer to social workers and that CPD offer. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely work to do, I think, um, to try and get that right. And we've seen an interesting, sort of, um, particularly you, Louise, talking about sort of online learning. We've seen as part of that YouGov research that 76% recorded CPD based on online learning. And I just don't think we will have seen that pre-pandemic. I just think that Online online learning has always been a feature for myself and I've always used different resources around online learning and e-learning sort of started to become more of a feature um, with my uh, previous employer. But I think that feels really high. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what, uh, Louise, you think about that. And Lisa, I think uh, 
that definitely feels different. I agree. It's very high. Yeah, I think initially before the whole lockdown situation came last year, most of my training was done face to face in, you know, like a proper room with, you know, the 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 person that would teach and you had, you know, your your peers with you. But you know, lockdown did force us to have to change and to try different ways that really was quite beneficial to our learning. Um, there was challenges at the beginning with connection and the PowerPoint. It's not really being on Microsoft Teams or people being on mute and you're thinking, I can't hear you anymore. Um, so, you know, it did have its funny challenges, but you know, we, we did it as a profession. And the fact that people you know got so much learning out of it given the stats that you read out it shows that you know online learning does have quite profound effects on our practice so it's positive yeah and I suppose it comes back to what you were saying there Lisa around now trying to figure out what that offer can look like and how best that can support for online practitioners so is it like longer online training courses those shorter lunch and learn type things there's lots of different ways of doing it isn't there but I think just trying to figure out some of that is is really important absolutely you know I think I agree Louise you know it was all and Matthew it was all kind of you know it was all in you know as Louise said in a proper room you know it was and I think some people didn't consider it you know CPD if it wasn't you know a face-to-face you know session a day whatever that looked like whatever it was on I think people valued e-learning or online learning less if I'm honest and I think that um I think that that's definitely catapulted us into into the more of an online way of being and more of a, a kind of a flexible way of being and maybe some of the you know the ways that we work generally you know going forward you know maybe that will some of that will stick I think yeah and there's some good to come from it isn't there and I think people's people's learning styles are different as well don't and then I know that I've I've typically always struggled with that sort of classroom base sit in a room listening to someone talk for eight hours I've I've always typically struggled with that and you can you can imagine how amazing I was at university and school but um, I learn much better by myself and sort of spending time reflecting and reading I get a lot from podcasts ironically that I'm sitting here recording one but um, I, I get a lot from that I get a lot from learning in that way where I can spend my own time doing things but um, so so the online way really fits for me um, but I know, I know different learning styles um, benefit from different ways, don't they? I think there's that sort of multitude in terms of an offer, I think, is is something that needs to be uh, considered, isn't it? I think so. I think so, definitely. And I think, you know, a mechanism that allows discussion as well, you know, you know, getting together, whether it's in a breakout room, whether it's in a corner of a proper room, <laughs> you know, whether that, you know, whatever that looks like, I think that needs, that's how we learn a lot of it, you know, whether it's online, whether it's podcast, but there has to be an element, I think, for me, of reflecting with other people, you know, on situations and and, and how you can do it differently. And I think I, I get a lot from those sorts of discussions around, you know, around practice and about, you know, um, scenarios and I think you know you you, there are elements of that that you can't really replicate online on a in a podcast or a webinar you know something like that that's not interactive yeah no I I mean I I would agree I mean my my, my wife's a social worker so we often have those discussions we don't always just talk about social work but um, that is always someone who I've had reflective conversations with and it works both both ways for us I think as um has, has often been a feature for our for our, our careers, particularly now I've moved away from frontline practice. But 
we as region and Gurgent leads always try and have um, we have sort of monthly, sometimes fortnightly, just reflective discussions about practice, what is going on in social work practice, and we all really benefit from them. Um, reassuringly, in the research, uh, 83% of social workers said that they, they, they see the value in CPD, which I think just, for me, um, reiterates the point that CPD isn't new for social workers. This isn't something certainly that Social Work England has introduced. It's always been a feature of social work practice and social workers understand the importance, understand the meaning of it, but also understand what it gives them as individual practitioners. Um, and I think you've both touched on what it means to yourselves, but I think it's um, social workers know, know why they need to do CPD. Um, I think that, that, is, that rings true there in that, in that number. 4.1 is one of the elements of the CPD standard that we get asked a lot about. So 4.1 is um, incorporating feedback from a range of different sources, including people with lived experience of social work. Um, we often get asked a lot of questions, how do I do that? How does that need to look? Um, and what, why is that important? And, and that can particularly come from people that maybe aren't in frontline roles. How do they do that in that specific role? Louise, what's your sort of thoughts on getting feedback? Is that is that a feature of your practice? Is it is it important in your learning and development? Yeah, I would say feedback is really important. You know, it's about obtaining a person's views about how they found your practice. Um, so it could be like a meeting or a report that I've written or a home visit. And, you know, I think having that conversation with a colleague or with a parent about how they found your work can really help to unpick any weaknesses that I have and can unpick the strengths that I have and ways in which I can actually improve my work with people. Um, I personally find that doing the more informal feedback is, is what I do often, to be honest. So normally after a meeting, I would ask the parents, how did they find it? You know, what are their views on that? And just those little conversations that you may not think is feedback, it is feedback. <laughs> you know, they're letting you know how they found your work and how they found you chairing that meeting um you know I've through doing my ASYE a few years ago feedback was quite a heavy feature um to have and I think now that we've got that within the CPD framework it just helps to ensure that practitioners are developing and growing as they develop in their career yeah and I think your point about it not having to be this really formalized way of getting feedback I mean that isn't the ask that there isn't a requirement from social work England to upload or a formal piece of feedback that you've got from from somebody that you work with, upload that to your Social Work England account and reflect on it. You can do that, absolutely, but that isn't the ask. The, you're, you're right, feedback can come in many different ways from many different sources and in many different forms. And I think sometimes those little comments that have been made to you um, verbally or over an email or something like that can have a real impact and can really prompt some good, valuable reflection and learning. And I think uh, that's the kind of things that we want social workers to capture. Um, and I think that, that informal stuff can, can, can often have real value. Lisa, do you want to come in at that point around feedback? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's something that, you know, if in, when you're doing a social work training or when you're doing your ASYE, I think that's very structured. It's there, but I think, when you haven't been through, you know, for some of us, we didn't have an ASYE, you know, program in place. So since I, you know, since, since I was on placement, I haven't had a direct observation in a formal way like that, obviously, you know, but, and I think it depends a lot on, you know, what sort of team you're on, whether you go out with, with your teammates, whether you go out with, you know, maybe take a manager out with you, it, you know, but I, I think 
I think um, that Louise is right. It, you know, it is about the sometimes the small stuff. You know, sometimes about the, you know, it, it's about um, maybe a, you know, just a tip, tidbits really about you know you could have done this a bit better. You could have done that a bit better. It's on emails. It's, it's you know it's it's face to face. It's on the telephone. But I think what we're not very good at doing is 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 doing it routinely. I don't think we're in practice of doing it as a kind of standard approach throughout really I think generally you know we, we hear about the bad stuff <laughs> we hear about the stuff that we haven't done so well or that you know we have to talk to somebody about something that they haven't done so well but I, I think we need to be better at routinely saying that was a really good piece of work or you know you did really well in that that meeting was really difficult you handled that really well what you know whatever that looks like I think absolutely we need to we need to take advantage of those opportunities so it becomes the norm. I think some, for some people, you know, going out on a visit feels like a direct observation, even when it's it's not in the same way, you know. And and I've had people say to me, you know, what do you want to come out with me for? I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> because I do, because it, exactly what's your hidden agenda? And I'm like, but I just want to come out with people because, A, it's good to get out and meet people. <laughs> it's good to get out and see, you know, that, you know that I can see you know when, when I was a team manager and, and an assistant team manager on on a few different teams so you know I want to be able to say hand on heart I know that this this person practices in this way I have seen it with my own eyes and and I think that's really difficult to replicate if we're not making this a, an ordinary event really the people it, it makes people a bit suspicious doesn't it I think <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think that the, that the word suspicion is probably right, isn't it? And I think that there can often be that in 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 trying to support social workers in this way. That and and that it's not it's not all negative, and and there's there might be some constructive feedback, which is fantastic and can really be built upon. But there'll be lots of positives as well, and I think having that discussion, um, and maybe that comes in a in a formal supervision or whatever way that comes about. I think. Uh, can really offer something to that social worker um, in their in their development. Absolutely, and vice versa. You know, when you were chairing a meeting, or how did I do? You know, how what do people think? You know, it's 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 not very often you get it. You know, I think that would be a good thing. You know, both ways really. Yeah, and I mean, you, you talked about being a practice educator, a practice assessor, Lisa, and I think uh, that was uh, I was I was a practice educator when uh, in my previous role and I think I always got a lot out of that for myself um, in terms of my own development and learning I think um, you would probably get a lot more feedback in that process wouldn't you if you if you were supporting an ASYE or a student and I think um, that always felt really beneficial to me as a, as a social worker and um, that was always something I really enjoyed doing. Definitely, definitely. I think it helps keep you current, helps keep you aware of what the issues are and how you come across, because we can all get a little bit, you know, staler, you know, and we need we need to keep that current, don't we? And I think, you know, we, we need to be responsible for our own practice, but sometimes we need a hand with that as well. Yeah, and, and, I, th- and I think sometimes the only way you know that is through feedback, isn't it? And I think that, that honest feedback um, is, is sometimes the only way that you'll be able to pick up on that. Absolutely. And to have that honest dialogue. Throughout the the first lockdown, I found that just getting like random feedback from 
people like sometimes like a minute taking my email me saying Louise you chaired this really difficult meeting quite well and it, it makes you feel as if I am doing good like I you know like even though we've been in a really difficult situation with the lockdown and you know struggling to really meaningfully safeguard children just getting those little emails and little comments here and there it just boosts up your kind of self-esteem and how you feel about being a practitioner so I do think we do need to do a lot more with you know encouraging people and giving people feedback when they may not expect it because those little things really do mean a lot to practitioners I feel yeah and then I think the key then is then how that individual practitioner that then sort of reflects on that and um maybe takes that away and spends more time thinking about it and considering what what needs to change what needs to happen what need what they can embed if it was positive how the how they can do that more and I think that reflection bit is is really important and I think um, that forms a real big part of, of the requirement for social workers um, with this with the CPD and I think um, I think reflections always uh, social workers understand what reflection is but I think again it can be a time issue but do, Louise do you think there's any other barriers to social workers sort of spending that time reflecting and and then using that as 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 a cpd upload to the social work england account i think finding the time i know we've spoken about it already but it it can be tricky especially you know in children's social care we you know sometimes if emergency comes in you're running out to support that family or you're in court the next day you know it can be every day is different and I think finding that time to dedicate to doing CPD can be quite tricky and I think for me that's been one of my barriers I've had but I think just having that dedicated time where you say no this afternoon I'm going to dedicate to this switched off my devices has helped me um, but I know a lot of practitioners have had other barriers like not really understanding what to put in their CPD or not knowing how to really reflect upon a particular like training or interaction that they've had but I think having things like this like a podcast podcast can you know really help people to understand oh maybe that's my idea I can use for next time thank you Lisa is anything you want to come in on that yeah I was just going to say that the sort of inbuilt mechanisms you know that I I would you know you're driving to work or you're driving in between visits or you're walking to the meeting room you know and they're all thinking times aren't they and I think going back to what we were saying earlier about you know our working day is feeling very different you know you're working at home primarily for a lot of people that kind of there's not those natural breaks in your day that you would use or I, I would use you know <laughs> to, to think about either the visit that's coming up or or the meeting that I've just been in whatever that was and you, you think about it you you kind of you mull it over in your mind don't you you, you reflect on it and those have those have kind of disappeared and instead of those now, you have additional phone calls or team meetings or, you know, teams meetings or, you know, however you do it in, in the areas that you work. And, and all too often, I think the days get blocked up. I think what we need to do is set some time aside for, for us and for our teams to be able to do that. I think that, um, you know, where I work, so we have an hour and we try and say to people, you know, encourage people to take this an hour and a half a month, which doesn't sound like a lot, in addition to training, etc. You know, but for people to ref, to reflect and to take that time to um to write up a reflective piece or to do some CPD. And I, I think again, it's it's time, but I think we have to try and prioritize that as well as best as we can and support people to do that. Yeah, and I think that the, the travel times are really important point to recognise that that has shifted hugely, hasn't it, over the last twelve months? And I I've always 
had to travel a lot. I've, I've previously worked in Cumbria. It's a huge county and getting anywhere takes a long time and benefited a lot from that. Sometimes just that reflection after a visit or after a meeting, that I got a lot of benefit from that. But then in this role, spending a lot of time traveling around the Northwest, that was where I listened to all my podcasts. Absolutely. I could spend time. I would headphones on. I could just focus on that. And then for me, that was learning, that was development, that was CPD. And I think um, I would then reflect on what that was and what that meant for my role and all those kind of things. But lockdown happened, that disappeared. And I'm terrible at giving myself time through the day. I'm really bad at it. Um, But I try to carve out a little bit of time. I try and, again, headphones on. I'll sometimes just go for a walk and just get out the house and learn and then come back and then that's a piece of cpd for me but i think it's sometimes just that conscious effort isn't it that conscious switch that mindset of i'm going to do this because it's really important to do it and carve out that separate time like you've both said do you think there's there's what what ways can 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 yourselves both in your own roles uh but also social work england encourage social workers to think creatively about cpd to have these different ideas about what it can be and what it means and have that flexibility is the is the ways that that we can all do that do you think louise yeah a way in which social work england could like help social workers to you know do cpd and think more creative could be um and again i don't know if, if you can do this but having you know regional leads that could maybe come out to staff conferences um i know within my local authority we have a staff conference at least three to four times a year where the whole children's social care is in one forum and we're basically talking about different things within social work um I think it would be quite good if you could come to those conferences and maybe talk about CPD give some good examples that that you've seen that workers could use if their stock is kind of like you know a guideline to, to go through um but yeah I think just just really seeing who works in social work England and how we can you know, incorporate CPD more into our practice might be quite helpful for us because it's only it's only been a year since we've had to do CPD. So you know, it might be quite helpful to kind of you know meet some of you in, in flesh of our um you know a, a, a video forum maybe. Yeah, and and we're, we're more than happy to do that, 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 Louise. And that is that forms a big part of the role of the regional engagement leads. So anyone that's Listening to this, you, you, you can find out who your regional engagement lead is on the Social Work England website and there's contact details for us all on there. And we're more than happy to engage with you in that way and attending attending conferences like, like Louise has said, um, but also team meetings and just having those conversations with social workers and organisations around CPD. We're more than happy to do that. That forms a really big part of our role. Um, so I do a lot of that across the northwest, but... Um, we have regional engagement leads that that cover that cover all of England. So we, um, yeah, contact details are all on the website, and we're more than happy to to come out and have those conversations. Lisa, is there any points that you wanted to come in on there? I keep saying to people about looking at Twitter. I, I'm a big fan of Twitter at the minute, particularly in the last year. It's really benefited me. Louisa, you're on Twitter. I don't know if you are. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm thinking I might join on now. <laughs> yeah, I think you definitely need to. It's, it's. I mean, I think definitely over the last year, I was on it for a long time and then kind of fell out of love with it, really, for, for, for no particular reason. And then certainly in the last year, I've I've rediscovered it. And I think, you know, there are there's blogs, there's webinars. And I, I just want to mention, you know, that, you know, there's um, so Siobhan McLean is um, and 
Siobhan McLean and Social Work Student Connect, I think. So I think that was set up in, in response to social work students needing to connect, hence the title, I think. But they do a webinar every Wednesday evening. Um, and I'm not being paid by Siobhan or them either, but <laughs> I do think <laughs> I do think it's worth a plug. It's a brilliant, they're brilliant webinars and they're all on YouTube as well. So you can catch up after that. They've done like 47 or 48 or something like that, I think it is, about a wide range of topics. So for me, you know, although you know that that's another opportunity as well to look at um and, and to learn from other people and to hear about practice and, and i think that the, the twitter twitter is interesting isn't it it was always something i shied away from as a frontline social worker i was never on twitter and I, I shy away from social media in my personal life to be honest it terrifies us but i'm on twitter as a as a regional engagement lead and i think um the it's a really useful platform for just knowing things sharing information and i think there's that you can there's a sort of small group of social workers that are active on twitter isn't there but i think it's it is a good way to just know know what's going on and tap into different resources and you network with people that you that you wouldn't ordinarily network with you know so you know whether they that's legal folk or you know so people from a mental health you know whether that's you know um, lived experience or who work in that field or uh, just a wide variety really you can't you know public health all sorts of stuff really it's just it's just a, a little minefield I think of great opportunities yes so I'm, I'm going to come to the sort of closing question I suppose to both of you um, and it's what one piece of CPD have you done that has stood out for you is the one piece that you can think of that would um, maybe be a bit of a light bulb moment for another social worker uh, Louise I'll come to you first I would say there was one CPD that I did last year. It was a case I had in care proceedings. And what stood out to me was just the importance of building effective relationships with my families, because that in this particular case, that was what really helped to empower the parents to make those positive changes to promote safety for their children. Um, with this particular case, the parents lost a lot of trust in social workers. So having me coming come into the, the, the scenario mid-proceedings was a bit like, you're going to be like another social worker, aren't you? Um, but within that CPD, I was really able to reflect upon how I was able just to listen to them, listen to their past experiences of losing trust in people and just having that empathy and working with them on ways in which we could agree together and how we could work together to make those plans that they were, you know, in agreement with to make sure that their kids were protected and kept safe from harm. So, yeah, so just reflecting upon that particular case really helped me to understand it's important to build relationships with families. And even though it can be tricky at times just taking that time to really listen to people is important um and exploring relationship-based theories really helps me with that cpd yeah fantastic that's a great answer louise um lisa over to you so mine's not from actual practice this is again as an example of something we were talking about earlier something that i have watched so this was um probably about a year ago so professor lawrence serrant's uh, her inaugural lecture I don't know if anyone's seen that um, it's it's about silence and she tells stories about silence so her experiences as in her words a black female nurse academic and it starts in 1982 when she was completing her nurse training so I, I think it's just something I would highly recommend it's it was very powerful probably I think because they're real life stories about inequalities life experiences gaps in education and training and I think that then raises questions about fitness to practice for different kind of professionals as well as social workers 
again I don't want to elaborate too much because I'll I'll give it away but I think it's um <laughs> I think it's a, a really powerful um piece it's approximately an hour long um and it just it just brings home a lot of stuff I think really you know as as and you know and and she gets a standing ovation and I don't remember ever being in a lecture theatre that got a standing ovation and I think that kind of speaks volumes really well worth a look um, and a view of that definitely. Fantastic and, and yeah but I think both your examples there are, are really good examples of how one piece of reflection can then prompt lots of other learning and lots of other development and and thinking about things in different ways i think that's a, they're, they're both really good examples of how cpd can then become this sort of bigger learning activity that you undertake on the back of something on the back of one thing and i think that's uh, that's really important i think for me it's about making it part of everyday life so you watch something it can be a tv program it can be something that you've read and if you can reflect on it and put it to good use then i think we need to get better recognizing that as cpd that is a great note to end on lisa you have summarized this whole conversation much better than i than i could have so um once again just thank you both for your time i've, I've thoroughly enjoyed just having a conversation with both of you and i think um, it's been really beneficial this will probably form a piece of cpd for myself um and can do for um both uh, you lisa and you louise and anyone that's listened to this this can form a piece of cpd uh, reflecting on what has been discussed today and the impact that that can have on on you and your role, I think is is uh, is is something that that hopefully will come out of this for some people. So again, thank you for your time, everybody, uh, and uh, I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed this. Well, thank you. Nice to meet you, Louise and and Matthew. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Nice to meet you all. Thanks again to Lisa and Louise for joining us and sharing their experiences and understanding of recording CPD. If you enjoyed the discussion and would like to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn using the hashtag ThisIsSocialWorkPod to share your thoughts. You can also find out more about the professional standards on our website. Join us for our next episode where we'll be talking about Standard 5 and what it means to act safely, respectfully and with professional integrity. Thanks again and see you soon.